interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 72 of Not a Robot Podcast, DC Comics Review Show. As always, I've got my amazing co-host. As always, I've got my amazing co-host here with me. We'll we'll be tolerating all my my mistakes, uh, Rob. Okay, um, intro A or intro B? Intro A point five. Yeah, intro C. Intro. Forward slash J. No. Um, G. Willikers, Batman. I'll say them. I'll say them both another time then. <laughs> you know, how about I, how about how about intro A with the attitude of B? I, I feel like giving you subcommands like that makes you sound a little bit like you're a robot, Rob, and and you know we don't have oh, a policy no. for that. So <laughs> we definitely do yeah, have a policy. So. Error, error. <laughs> oh boy. And John, there's me over here too. Yeah. Hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're we're definitely not a mess today. Um, <laughs> no, not at today, all. Today on the show, we will be covering uh, One Star Squadron, number one, Dark Knights of Steel, number two, World of Krypton, number one, Batman 118, Green Lantern, number nine, Superman, Son of Kal-El, the 2021 Annual, The Swamp Thing, number 10, Suicide Squad, number 10, and Arkham City, The Order of the World, number three. Of course, make sure you stick around until the end of each episode to hear our top three books of the week, The Biggest Stinker, and to find out which titles might just make. The dump list. But before we get going with the show, I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters who help out with a dollar or more a month. And thank you listeners, too. Like, download, and share our episodes so we can get more listeners and can bring you more content. You can get access to our Patreon and the rest of the Not A Robot shows at notarobotpodcast.com. But with that out of the way, let's get into some news. Um, what's uh, what's new? What's new, everyone? Snow, cold. Ah, yeah, I feel that. But with winter comes the promise of a new season of Lighter Kenny. Uh, yeah, indeed. No, it's uh, it's it's oh. literally snowing outside for us as I speak, and it's uh, I can already feel the temperature no, dropping even you. more. I don't even want to go like close no. to my window. I can just feel the freeze from here. I want nothing to do with that. Yeah, I know. Josh is like he's he's down south, so he's he's the the lucky bastard of us all. Still has that. Yeah, until it hits August. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's a it's a hundred and five degrees with ninety five percent humidity. You're burning. Yeah, you're swimming. (laughs) I mean, what's the temperature there right now? Um, the temperature here right now is. 54 degrees. Oh, God. That's evil. It's not fair. <laughs> and there's not a lot going on in this neck of the woods. I've got some kind of cold or something going on with my throat. Mm-hmm. Sound weird. Mm-hmm. Other than that, not a whole lot. There's a lot going on in D.C., though, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, a couple things. uh, Should we we start with the sad news or the happy news? Uh, Let's start with the start with the sad news. Yeah, I feel like we should get the sad news out of the way. Bad note. Yeah. yeah. If you haven't heard, this week George Perez, who a few years ago announced his retirement from comics because he was beginning to go blind, 
that is pretty much fully blind, blind in one eye, uh, has now come out and said that he has been diagnosed with stage 3 pancreatic cancer, and his life expectancy is six months to a year. And it's yeah. a damn shame, this comic book legend. Uh, he's only 67 years old, for crying out loud. It's, yeah, that's it really is not shame. old at all. It really isn't. Yeah. I mean, not just comic book creator. I mean, we're talking about a seriously influential dude with an immense amount of talent. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, just a generally all-around good guy. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, I, I just... And, yeah, it, pancreatic cancer. It's I like know. the worst kind of cancer. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, again, I think George Perez and and Wolfman, too, um, were kind of those two creators that I just I'd always wanted to see at a convention, but they hadn't really made a lot of public appearances, so I never really got the chance. But um, from what I have heard from people, he is one of the nicest artists that you will meet at a convention. He's always up for doing, or was rather, always up for doing a sketch. Um, and I saw a ton of posts last night of people just like posting all the, you know, con sketches that he's done, just super genuine, talented, just a, a wonderful guy all around. And, and, um, it, it sucks. It really does. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know it. I, th- I think that particular run of the new teen Titans that Wolfman and Perez are just most well known for is, is one of my favorite, if not my favorite comic runs of all time, it's the one that I've kind of painstakingly put together a you know a full collection of and um it's it's almost hard to even think about at this point because it's just like that is so closely tied to George Perez's artwork and how phenomenal he was on that series and just in general and um it really Absolutely. sucks it really sucks and I, all I can say at least and I'm sure this is echoed by the rest of you but I just hope that the next six months for um, for Mr. Perez are just filled with, you know, love and care from his family and from friends Absolutely. and everyone else in the comics community. He absolutely deserves it. And mm-hmm. um, I don't want to speak as though he's already dead, but you know, it's it's hard to avoid the inevitable, and and he will be missed incredibly. Absolutely, man. It's a damn shame. Missing a legend. I know. Um. Let's crawl out of the hole. Yeah. Uh, uh, that was news. sad. Uh. <laughs> we do have, we do have some happy news though. Tom Taylor announced today about uh, like six hours ago that he has signed an exclusive contract with none other than DC Comics, mm-hmm. and he's got tons of things planned, and he can't wait to show oh, them off. Oh yes, please. And as excited as I am for this, I I do wonder about his indie books. But where where does the contract lie on that? And most exclusive contracts allow for independent books. Um, so and and this one I know just because of you know some of them have talked pretty prominently about it. Like I remember when Donny Cates when Marvel exclusive, he was like, "I'm still going to be doing my my image stuff. Don't worry, it'll be fine." Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure whatever contract you sign generally just guarantees you. I th- I think, but I don't remember. It's it's something like a fixed page rate. Um, and um, um, some some other like incentives that I think are are like very lucrative for a creator, but it, it generally kind of allows you to still do creator on stuff if you wanted to. So we'll still be getting Seven Secrets, Rob. Don't worry. Good. That's all I ask. That's all we want. That's um. I I didn't think I had comic book news coming into this, but I 
just remembered I saw something that uh, was saying that Dark Horse is looking for a buyer. I hope that's not true. No, I I did def I definitely saw it on there. Yeah, that they uh, they're 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 looking around and entertaining offers. So mm-hmm. that would be terrible. That'll bum that that'll that'll bum me out. Yeah, yeah Dark Horse terrible. is an excellent avenue for independent artists to do whatever the hell they want in in a very fair way. And uh, you know, even if it does get sold, I just I hope that continues. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that would be an interesting dynamic. Comics world's changing and shifting, guys. It's scary, almost. Wouldn't it be weird with all those DC writers over at Dark Horse right now if DC bought Dark Horse? I would absolutely hate that. <laughs> Me too, yeah. but... Uh, another thing that came on my wire, uh, it was announced over the weekend, but I'm seeing different people report it at different times. Uh... LA Comic Con on Saturday there was a panel with Kevin Conroy and John Glover and if, oh yeah? If you don't know who they well John Glover most probably most famously in the comics world played Lionel Luther in Smallville but mm. he also voiced the Riddler in Batman the Animated Series which Kevin Conroy most famously uh, voiced yes. Batman I saw this uh, so they were there for a little panel and to announce that they are doing an audio drama with the entire original cast for Batman the Animated Series, and it's written. Oh, it's written I'm... by Alan Burnett, one of the original yeah. writers. Shut up! I'm so excited. I, I hope they. Series. I, Shut I, I hope they bring up. back Paul Dini to do some writing too. Oh, they probably um, that will. Would be sick. Some some great yeah. episodes. Um, but yeah, no, I I remember when I saw that news, like I. <laughs> I immediately, and I should have been working, honestly, but immediately I was like, all right, we're rewatching. If you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Which is my favorite Riddler episode in Batman Todd. Just because I was like, <laughs> if we can get another one of these, I'll, I'll die happy. That would be awesome. Uh, yep. Deanie is involved in that reboot, though, right? In this? Of BTOS. The, oh, the yeah, new adventures um, or whatever. This... Yes, I think that is mostly his creation right now the reboot or the yeah, or the newer so. newer series set in the same or whatever yeah. it is yeah like he's however he's you want to main, main person attached to that yeah yeah now also at this panel uh which i find very curious and it was kind of just a footnote i'm reading this on the hollywood reporter was will friedel who was eric matthews in boy meets world but also more famously <laughs> terry mcginnis in batman beyond yeah Fuck Boy Meets World. Yes, no, I'm kidding. Please. Fuck Boy Meets World. This guy. <laughs> hey, was, hey, hey. Batman Beyond takes precedence. Hey, hey, that takes precedence over over Boy Meets World any day. I do. I, I, I agree, but like... <laughs> no. Eric, Eric Matthews was fucking fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, apart from that, personally, I've just been reading a lot of Transformers comics recently, and I haven't had a chance to read anything at all this week. It's been super busy with just a bunch of normal bullshit, but a lot of appointments and stuff. And I, I, I haven't even read all of the DC releases this week, and that's pretty rare to say. Oof! Wow. Yeah. No. I um. 
I, I got the ones we covered, and just <laughs> none of the extra. Yeah, no, I um, I, I'm definitely in the same way. It's it's for for us here on campus. It's the basically the last week of class, and then next week is finals week, and then I'm free, and I just have like on my desk. Um, I put it in a suitcase once I'm done, but I have like a stack of trades that I've been saving since like October, since I went to New York Comic Con that I haven't got a chance to read. And I just, I cannot wait to tear into them when I get the chance. Um, so I, I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, ones that I can well, see. Well, I hope you enjoy it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The ones that I can see were the, um, the, the free copy that was not meant to be a free copy of Tokyo Ghost that I got from, um, Sean Gordon Murphy. Um, still haven't finished Essex County. Um, and I have, uh, AD After Death from Snyder and Lemire, so just a lot of really good stuff that I'm I'm excited to check out. Um, yes, I oh have fun. Oh yeah. And sorry, one more thing. I, I just noticed I missed the first time I went through the article. Uh, do you guys like the theme song from Batman the Animated Series? I love the theme. Uh, song. Who doesn't right. like yeah. that theme written, song? Written uh, and composed by Danny Elfman. Oh, yeah. he's he's doing it again. He's coming back and he's doing the theme song for this audio. He's making album. a new theme song, or he's just uh, that's uh, Conroy uh, revealed that he's attached to it. it he mm. just said Danny Elfman will write the theme, so it's unsure if that's a new theme or if just a redux of his original theme. I wouldn't mind yeah, the I mean, original theme, mind you. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, there's really no reason anything to, new from Danny Elfman. <laughs> change it. Yeah, I was, I was thinking maybe if he scored, you know, parts of the the um, the audio play, I, but but I would imagine that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, that, that I'm was my assume guess. that just because um, yeah. I know that that um, what's her name? Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Um, Shirley Walker was kind of the um, mm. the one who had done you know the music for the the animated series, and she. Just, I mean, if you ever listen to the music for the animated series, it's like it's so amazing. Well, they have a playlist on YouTube just dedicated to that because it's it's ex- you can just listen to it and it makes you feel so moody, um, like you're Batman <laughs> riding through the city because it's so wonderfully dramatic. So yeah, I, I hope if, if Danny Elfman does some scoring for the yeah for the audio play, it'd be just just great. I can I can send you guys that. someone someone did like a supercut of all the the title card themes and it's amazing like every time you'd see a title card for like a specific episode there'd be like a theme that goes with it and someone uh-huh. did like a super cut on youtube of it and i could send it to you it's excellent oh absolutely yeah. that should be shared everywhere yeah as as well as that playlist <laughs> yeah um i only had uh, two little bits of news and then we can get into some of our honorable mentions for this week um and one actually shoot for the stars um but one of my uh one of my pieces of news was just that there was some new art release for the upcoming black label series from uh jeff lemire and doug Mankey. um swamp thing green hell um looks super cool very you know graphic very um, gore, like horror inspired, and um, I, I'm just really interested to see, you know, what this story is going to be about. But um, yeah, there's been some new pages released. I think they're over on either DCComics.com or Newsarama. So just go check it out. Um, I still refuse to call them Newsarama Games Radar because 
that's stupid, but whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, definitely go check them out. Is <laughs> Rob and Games Radar combined? When did that happen? Ugh, like last year or something. Yeah. I, I don't even remember. And I was just uh, like, fuck this. You will always yeah. be Newsarama to me. You're not Games Radar. Newsarama was fine. Like Games Radar was eh. I know. That's why I was just like, why? But I, I think it was a money thing. Like, that's both probably weren't bringing in a lot of revenue. So they're just like, it's be probably in our better interest to just combine. And it's whatever. A bad idea is, is a, a bad, bad idea. idea. <laughs> yes. Even if it makes you money, it's still a bad idea. Exactly. Um, yep. And uh, the the other thing that I kind of wanted to, to mention in the news before we get into our uh, honorable mentions, and, and again, this kind of ties to it, a book that we didn't really get to cover last week, but one that I definitely recommend that you should pick up was Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazon's number one. It's a new black label series from Kelly Sue DeConnick and Phil Jimenez that charts the history of the Amazons all going you know all the way back to the ancient periods of the gods and Greek society and all that kind of stuff and it's, it's really this kind of epic saga um, and it just features some of the most beautiful artwork you'll ever see from Phil Jimenez I mean Phil Jimenez's stuff is always beautiful but in particular he really just you know pulled out all the stops for this issue so check it out um, yep. definitely worth your time um, with that being said do you guys want to get into some honorable mentions uh, for this week sure yeah. lightning rounds away <laughs> All right, well, uh, to kick us off, uh, shout out our first honorable mention for this week, and that is One Star Squadron, and that is from Mr. Mark Russell and Steve Lieber, uh, a team that I think had never worked together prior, which I could not believe because they're perfect together. Um, right. It's like <laughs> their styles complement each other so well. It's like, oh, my God, how have you – how is this your first time? Um, and uh, – Oh yeah, let me let me make sure I also shout out uh, Dave Stewart, who's doing an amazing job on colors, and and uh, Dave Sharp, both the Daves, uh, doing letters. Um, but One Star Squadron is is a fairly straightforward story. Really, just kind of revolves around these, you know, C D list level heroes who are working for a new uh, corporation called, called Heroes for You. <laughs> it's like um, um. How 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 do I describe it? It's like um, it's like it's, it's basically Tinder. Tinder slash Instacart. Yeah, yeah like it's basically like a a, a superhero super. request service, um, where you basically Weird. just you look up the most local hero and they will come and <laughs> and help you with whatever you need, whether that's you know super heroics or cameo style videos or like you know any any kind of thing that you need you call heroes for you um which is not a new idea i think there was kind of a similar thing in ant-man a while ago with the villain app um, oh yeah but <laughs> i just i just love i still i still love that idea of just like yeah these guys they don't really have like regular superhero work because who wants you know red tornado coming to save the day so <laughs> if I if I just meet him for like fucking cameo or something, like I I, I don't know that was just so funny to me. Um, but yeah, no, basically just kind of it, it's more of a setup issue with uh, with heroes for you and everything, kind of establishing the dynamics with a mystery of a particular hero um, known as Crime Buster, who I, I believe we've mentioned before a couple times. Oh, Gangbuster, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, Gangbuster, same thing really. 
Um, but yeah, no, so it really, it's just kind of an introduction to this, this sort of corporate lifestyle with a lot of these, uh, eclectic characters uh, and one in particular that definitely surprised me, Power Girl, who has seemingly embraced a new, very corporate attitude after reading a book from Maxwell Lord. Um, right. And, uh, yeah. She turned tor- total corporate bozo yeah. after reading a Maxwell Lord book. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, I I don't know. It was like to me, it was just like absolutely hilarious. Uh, just just the way all of it was presented in this setup, where um, you know you just have like Heckler is like this um, <laughs> Heckler is like this you know corporate monkey. He's like all it's just a lot of great stuff is yeah. what I'm saying. Um, yeah, so there's some t- working as a telemarketer. There, there, there's all menial tasks. Yeah. There's all kinds of it was, stuff. It was just so funny. It was just so genuinely funny. Yeah. Um, it, it was. You know what it was? It was heroes in existential crisis. <laughs> really, really is. Yeah. I mean, Redburn and, Hill basically it, has that moment where he's just like, "Why are you a hero?" And he's like, "Oh, I did good stuff, but I had to pay the bills. So right. I had to do this." <laughs> That basically the same just behind Booster Gold and Blue Beetle right now, but I did yeah. I did notice two flaws with this issue, or rather, well, one flaw, one. Yeah, I'm confused by it. But the first one, when those bad dudes are taunting Gangbuster, they ask him if he wants a medal, not a medal. It's they it's spelled M E T A L. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second, the first thing that I noticed, like the first big thing that stood out to me is that I saw Don, not Don, in the Dove costume. Yeah. Yeah, well, the the fact that they were even there seemed kind of odd to me to begin with, even to have Hawk. But yeah, Power Girl was here as well, so I guess it could go in. But yeah, Don's supposed to be dead. Yeah, Don, Don's been dead for a long time, and I like Don. Yeah. So that bugs me. But I, I like this book, though. One Star Squadron, I gave it an eight, man. This I, I dug it. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, every so often you get a, a comedy book like this, and it's just a charm. It's, it's a treat. And this 8.75 for me. I had so many good laughs reading this. It was a great yeah. bus ride home. <laughs> no, this... Uh... Yeah, what, what made it good is that it's not just boisterous and crazy just to be boisterous and crazy there's a story there too and it's it still works out really good mm-hmm. yeah that you can tell there, there's definitely a genuine emotional part to it but you know it's still it's still really trying to keep that comedic tone which i think works really well and and definitely falls in line with mark russell's other stuff and i mean steve lieber like uh, you know after reading jimmy olsen after superior foes the fix like i feel like he's just you know an expert at, at comedic timing in his art so it was just a lot of really great stuff and and i I had a great time and uh, i gave this one an 8.76 or 8.75 as well like i I just it got me excited for the next one and just kind of interested to see how they're going to keep the pace of the series going and giving red tornado human eyeballs that's a choice it's a good (laughs) choice i think but it's a fucking choice (laughs) definitely well i think think it kind of works because you it, it definitely lends itself to some of the more (laughs) <laughs> comedic moments 
um, where like he's like when he's eating his burger or whatever, and he's <laughs> looking up at the guy and you see his eyes. And it's just like it. It was definitely pretty funny at times, but uh, yeah. definitely a little jarring at, at other times. Not as jarring as seeing Batman or Red Hood being emotive. <laughs> yeah, that opening panel. Like where they're weird. like if they're like surprised or whatever, and it scrunches up the cowl and shit. <laughs> that always bugs me. Not with the Robins, not with anybody else, just with those two. I don't know why, but it does. <laughs> I just noticed that in some book recently. I'm not sure which one, though. I think Red Hood has that face in almost every book he's in. It bugs me. (laughs) (laughs) What bugs me is seeing Batman smile. I know that sounds bad, but it's just so unnatural. (laughs) At best, he should smirk. Speaking of Batman, Batman doesn't get to smirk in the next title. No. No, it is not. And uh, do you guys want to talk about that one? I, would uh, really I think Rob really does. To talk about that. <laughs> right, this is DKOS Dark Knights of Steel. I, I wish there was like such such a '90s like Saturday morning theme song, like action <laughs> sequence for this book. It would be so cool. But I also grew up on on like. Saban Entertainment. So, uh, so this this is from writer Tom Taylor with art by Yasmin Putri, and and they're just knocking it out of the park. Eric Prianto's colors are beautiful, and and Wes Abbott's doing the letters. And also, the, the whole fucking book is amazing. I I I, I just had a, a thought. And <laughs> yeah. or uh, I just had a thought. The, you, you said it. You wish they had a theme song. Yeah. We need to get whoever wrote the X Men am- an- animated theme song to write this one. Shit. <laughs> oh, that would be good. Oh man, yes, <laughs> that would be so good. Or Kenny Olsen. Hey, I'm ass- before you get into it. I'm assuming Zala is Supergirl, right? That, that's honestly they never really confirmed it, but yeah, it, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she certainly looks like Kara, but she's clearly not Kara. This this is Jor El's daughter, which was a bit of a twist, and the the kind of twist that you expect in Tom Taylor's books, the twists that we all know and love. <laughs> yeah, that's... yeah. I just, okay, so I, I mentioned in in our chat that that there was something we may have missed in the last panel of the last issue, and then I reread the last few pages and I realized my mistake. I forgot that Jor-El just came out and said, Bruce, you're my son. <laughs> because in the very last panel, his eyes were glowing red. And I yeah. didn't catch that the first time. Because at the very beginning of this issue, he blasts the vision into the sky. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? And then <laughs> I realized my mistake. But still, freaking badass. Mm. Badass, sorry. Um, yeah, it's, it's just it's beautifully drawn, beautifully written. Tom Taylor definitely has uh, a penchant for fantasy, and he really captures it, I think. I seeing all these characters pop up, I can't wait to see who else might pop up. There's characters teased that we haven't fully seen yet. Yeah, there was a fun little um, a fun little Flash cameo, and I'm hoping that's yeah. not a one-and-done thing. Oh, there, there was Flash, there was Blue Devil in there. I forgot yeah. about all the jail cell sequences. Blue Devil, there was, I think there was an Aquaman tease in there as well. Yep, yeah. 
Oh, who else was in the jail cells? I think there was a couple more. Oh yeah, there was... I I, I want to say there was the um, what is the the I, I like literally just had it in Superman: Son of Kal El, but the the one like winged character from oh, the Suicide Aerie. Squad, Airy. I think yeah. I think there was a character that looked kind of like Airy. Well, I guess it could just it was specifically Airy because Airy is a Tom Taylor character as well. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, uh, I think even the Ares outfit was the same. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that that was cool to see as well. That's, yeah. The fact that you see them all in jail cells, though, is kind of, yeah, maybe they're not actually going to be part of the story, but <laughs> it, it's still cool to see. It's, I, I, I wish this wasn't ongoing, though. I really do. It would be so fun to see this world be played around with. EKOS, a 9 out of 10 for me. I'm, I'm just fully sold on this. Mm. This is my Lord of the Rings because I hate the real Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh. oh, wait. I feel, I, feel like, I feel like you've mentioned that before. And, and we said we were going to discuss it, but I think we just forgot. Um, no, we'll, we'll have to, forget. We'll, we'll have just, to get I, on I that. We'll slip on the one ring and disappear. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to get on that. Um... But yeah, no, it was um, <laughs> it was just another really cool chapter in in this very. I know Tom Taylor has mentioned it, but I definitely see the influence. It's very Game of Thrones inspired, you know, almost like fantasy political drama because there's all this stuff going on with the different kingdoms and everything, and it's just it's it's a very cool landscape, and um, it just kind of invites you to want to know more about what's going on behind the scenes and. Um, I really just want to know, like, what the hell is going to happen in that next issue now that, you know, everything that happened with, with Black Lightning and, and I, I, keep, I keep calling him Black Lightning, he's technically King Jefferson, let me not be a, you know, a filthy uh, heretic, um, but um, no, it just, it's, it's just so much, you know, drama and intrigue and all that stuff going on that it just, it really, it kind of excites me to, to figure out, you know, more about what's going on in this world um and and especially what the hell is going on with this mystery of the green man wait when are you gonna stop teasing us and just show us which green lantern it is yeah that's what i want to know um uh, we, well we all know who it's going to be i mean yeah i i we, i think we have a very clear suspicion of who it might be but i'm i'm still i'm, I'm hoping there's a, a surprise who knows it might even be you know Kyle Rayner or something. Oh, it's definitely, definitely going to be Lantern Kyle like Rayner. That. It's 100%. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> only but yeah, because no. he's not doing anything else. Only because he's not doing anything else. Uh, he, he didn't die. He was actually sent back in time to a, or sent to another universe, rather, to a, yeah. a fantasy setting, and, and now he's it, living out his, his night lifestyle. Um, final crisis, Tim. But yeah, no, this this series is just, it's really cool. And, and this I think this particular issue just kind of furthers that. Um, so this one also got a 9 out of 10. Actually, no, sorry, not a 9 out of 10. 8 out of 10 for me. Fair enough. I gave it an 8.75. I, I love how the whole thing is building. That's what I love about this the most. It could get spread out too much to maintain, but Taylor didn't excellent job of holding all of deceased down and together so i've got a lot of faith in this man to get the job done so far it's really good and looks even better i'm in and so is superman well not really not quite which is a great way to segue into our last honorable mention and that is world of krypton number one 
Uh, so Josh, take it away. All right. Well, written by Robert Puff Daddy Venditti, drawn by Michael Ivanoming, and colored by Nick Velarde, with lettering from Hassan Osame Elhao, wrapped in a gorgeous cover from Miko Seon and Annette Kwok. Right out of the gate, it is BAM, Michael Avon Oming's art. An unmistakable style, whether you like it or not, that's for sure. The book is about a revolt started at Kara Zor-El's naming ceremony. The revolt is led by a member of the House of El, Cruel. See what they did there? Oh, and General Zod was supposed to re- be retiring, but now it seems that he's called out of that to defend the Els. I'm not an Oming fan, and this just kind of reminds me of some weak episode of that show Krypton, which was, it was pretty weak altogether on its own. I'm I'm pretty much just not interested. It's a comic book that exists. I'm sure some people might like it. I'm not hating on it. It's, it just has no kind of an appeal for me right now could get better but right now i gave it a five out of ten Yeesh. i i uh kind of dug this one um i i'm i'm on the opposite side of the fence where i i i definitely have a, a bias towards uh michael avenoming not uh, that's not to say that i love everything that he does for me any kind of stuff that can build on the mythology of, of krypton or even kind of the you know, relations of Krypton. Um, it's just like, yeah, I'll take that. You know, it could be cool. And, and I just kind of opened myself to it and um, found myself actually kind of enjoying it uh, a lot more than I expected to. The, the only thing that I think was just kind of made my eyes go into the back of my head was definitely the sort of um, the, the name of the villain, um, Cruel. Ooh, like that was... That was not because like it's it's so obvious like yeah you're trying to say cruel but you need something that sounds Kryptonian and fits in with the House of L and it's just like ugh that was that was so corny it it, it made me cringe um, but yeah other than that I didn't really mind uh, so it got an eight out of ten for me yeah so I've never really cared about Krypton as an idea it's it's a it's a starting point for a story it's the origin of superman and that's all to me it's really cracked up to be it's every time there's a story featuring krypton's history i just i i I tune out i just i don't care about the society they're they're this advanced civilization and they're meant to be boring in my mind because they're just so not basically emotionless but practically emotionless where they're just so advanced they don't need all this shit and yeah they have an army and they, they've had wars but like it's just us 10,000 years into the future and I, I don't really care about that anymore I gave it the benefit of the doubt when the, the title got announced I was like eh okay I really like Venditti I enjoy Michael Ivanoming so I gave it the benefit of the doubt I checked it out it seems like a very interesting story, but it's it's Krypton's history. I just can't get into it. I've never really cared about the history of Krypton. So it, it's a 6 out of 10 for me, solely for the creative team being who they are, and they still dish out the quality they have. Yeah, Cruella is a bit of a, 
odd choice, but <laughs> yeah, so obvious. Yeah, it. I would. I'd, it's crypto. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I, I don't care what their name is. I, I don't care about them at all. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. I'll, I'll enjoy it for myself then. <laughs> I'll, I'll gladly take that. Um, cool. Um, all right. Well, with those. Uh, admittedly a bit too long honorable mentions out of the way let's get into our our main reviews for this week uh, starting with uh, kind of an an interesting um, uh, new direction uh, an interesting new start um, for the bat universe and for batman himself Um, and that is batman number 118 the i guess start of a new era uh, not to sound redundant, but uh, brought to us by Joshua Williamson with art from Jorge Molina and <laughs> listed in the credits is Mikel Hanin. Um, but my God, I, I went through the issue again and Mikel Hanin literally does two pages. Um, and I understand there are deadlines and everything, but there, there are two pages that to me blend in with Jorge Molina's art so much you can't even tell. So it's it's almost like, you know, if you if you didn't even read these credits, you probably wouldn't even recognize that there was a second artist attached to just two small pages of the story. Um, but yes, art from Jorge Molina and Mikel Hanin with colors from Tomo Murray and letters from Clayton Cowles. Uh, Batman 118 picks up directly where Fear State left off, essentially where the uh, Omega issue left off, um, but in a bit of a different way in that Gotham City is celebrating for once and is no longer living in fear of the fact that there are jokers and scarecrows and banes hiding in every corner uh, but that they can actually take a moment and, and celebrate the fact and of course when everyone's out having a good time there are always going to be those who try and exploit it uh, as is the case of two rather unlucky thieves who are trying to break into a pawn shop after hours only to be spooked off not by batman swooping down and beating the shit out of them but literally just the appearance of batman which sends them screaming like babies to the police yelling arrest us i don't want to be beat up by batman like oh no please don't do it yeah and i mean honestly who can blame them if i saw batman i would probably shit myself um especially if i was trying to break into a pawn shop uh oracle kind of chides them on that fact saying you probably enjoyed that considering look at how these people just ran from you in fear but i think oracle is is really kind of pushing bruce um to maybe just you know slow down for a second and and have some fun in the city only to immediately realize they do not have time for that because someone is staging a kidnapping at a billionaire's party uptown Uh, but this party is a little bit different and and i wonder if anyone can guess why Well, for this instance, this billionaire's party has a bit of a theme to it. That's not uncommon. Lots of parties have themes. But this theme is none other than, and I I could not help but laughing because it is so ridiculous, but so believable, the theme of this party is the villains of Gotham, which, yes, means that every billionaire who showed up to this party dressed up as a Gotham villain, some of which, I might add, literally just terrorize the city if you look into the crowd you can see a couple banes a couple scarecrows a couple jokers and it's like people died well a lot of people died and and yet they're like eh, yeah let's let's uh let's dress up but um uh, batman is, is thankfully able to intervene before the kidnapping plot can get uh too far ahead and and uh, really makes firefly look like a chump um 
But before he leaves, he is, and I, I just had to point this moment out, before he leaves, he is asked for his autograph by a little girl who is dressed up as none other than the <laughs> Joker's latest squeeze, Punchline, who just seems so eager to get his autograph. And the face that Batman makes when she asks is like, uh, I wish I could make a reaction gif of it. It's, it's great. Um, but as he, as, as, he leaves the, as he leaves the party um, and makes his way across the city, Oracle kind of returns back to her main point, you know, saying, well, the city's relaxed for a little bit. Let's try and enjoy this and, and you know, maybe, maybe think of some of the ways that you have in the past celebrated a victory, like the fact that you actually overcame something. Bruce, seemingly in a very brooding attitude, standing atop a gargoyle, no less, uh, does not answer her, but is, is, has his attention uh, moved by something else. And that something else is none other than the rather dramatic news that five members of Batman Incorporated have been arrested for what, you ask? For murder. Batman informs Oracle that he's going dark for 48 hours. And then finds himself in Bandanesia, where he's doing some undercover work to find out just what the hell actually happened with Batman Incorporated and this supposed murder. Uh, there he meets a detective by the name of Detective Kaya, who is investigating the case herself to figure out if there's any evidence that's been missing. <clears throat> and as they try and, and piece together what happened, Batman informs her that, well he's kind of already solved the case and the members of Batman Incorporated did in fact kill um, one of the people but who is this person that was murdered well that is a a new villain by the name of Abyss who apparently has been terrorizing Bandanesia for the last year or so <clears throat> and uh, Bruce sort of questions well you know what what happened you know what why, why were these people who had been supported by Batman Inc suddenly, you know, resurfacing and, and are involved in a murder, um, and, and, you know, who is even funding them in that case, and uh, we get our, our very dramatic answer to that as, as not just giving us a little bit of exposition as to the fact that Bruce Wayne was the former, <clears throat> the, the former uh, bankroller for Batman Incorporated, but rather there is a new bankroller for Batman Incorporated, and it is none other than, and I'm not going to say it because I don't want to spoil it, but it's a really cool reveal, and I think a lot of people will be surprised, um, but not shocked by who is bankrolling this new Batman Incorporated. But yeah, no, this was, I mean, you know, as, as far as a, a first issue of an art goes, it was just really, really solid. A fairly quick read. I don't know if you guys felt that way. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, for, for a, a double-sized issue, because um, this was technically 30, 30 pages, um, or, or I guess not double size, but extra size issue. Um, it, it did feel a little fast, or at least it read really fast, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but um, I did realize that a lot of it was just kind of uh, shifting away from everything that had been going on in Fear State and moving towards the new plot line with Abyss. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think it worked effectively, but there's definitely still kind of that baggage of everything that came before. Um, you know, as we're moving into a new storyline. So, um, yeah, I, I, that kind of stuff was like, I, I understood it. Um, it, it wasn't, it, you know, it, w it wasn't stuff that I was entirely interested in, just the cleanup from Fear State, but 
um, yeah, I felt like it was a very solid, very you know well put together issue. Um, but I, I think I think at least for this new era, it definitely has me interested, especially with a lot of the Batman Incorporated stuff and and um, you know solving the mystery of this new character of Biss who's seemingly murdered. It just it, it has a lot of seeds that I think could be really interesting for a Batman story moving forward. And I'm hoping that um, you know it, this this story doesn't drop the ball anytime soon. So I gave this one an eight out of ten. It was solid. Again, it still kind of has all that baggage from from Fear State and everything that came before. But I think it does kind of forge a really interesting and new direction, um, you know, for for Batman moving forward. Um, yeah, I think it's time to to reevaluate Williamson as an awkward writer and just he's, mm-hmm. he's been knocking it out of the park recently. Yeah, I, I think I think he's kind of settled into you know the DC stuff and has you know kind of found his voice a little bit more. Yeah, I, I'm digging this so far. Uh, 8.5 for me. It, it's fantastic. I can't wait to see where this goes. It, Josie, shut up. Um, uh, yeah, for Batman though, it's it, it was a thrill ride so far. That the art is just fantastic. Those firework shots were gorgeous. Oh, yeah. That one page of of Bruce just going through like the times he's quote unquote celebrated, and the thing I noticed about all those moments he had, all the people he were thinking about are no longer in his life. Ah, so sad. It would niche is just even like Damien is at least alive, but it wants nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm excited, and that yeah, that twist at the end. I gave you my list of, of thoughts of who it could be, <laughs> and you said I was kind of close with one of them, but like, ah, that's that's not even close. I think. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I see where you're I, going I, with I it. Said, I I think I think I said that because I was they were well, I don't want to give it away, but I, I you probably know what I mean or, or what I was yeah. thinking, but um, well, I yeah. honestly I had no fucking clue. I did not expect <laughs> this at all, even with yeah. the, the tease you gave. I, I was impressed. So 8.5 for me. I'm very excited to see where this goes. Nice, nice. Whew. All right, well, we'll move on to our next book, and that is Green Lantern number 9. So, uh, Rob, I'll let you tell us all about that one. All right, this is from writer Jeffrey Thorne, with art by Tom Rainey, Marco Santucci, and Maria Laura Sanapo, with colors from Michael Etier and letters from Rob Lee. And so John Stewart is up against a new god called Isak, and he is responsible for the people getting taken and fed to the Lightbringer, which is the giant being standing over them all. Isak takes John down with little effort, but John has the power to survive it now after his recent godlike upgrades. Now with Lonar, the two stay hidden thanks to Lonar's abilities. Unfortunately, those abilities do not work on gods. Isak finds Lonar in the crowd, and John asks if Lonar can stall a god. And Lonar does just that and goes for an attack on Isak. John holds back the golden angel-looking guys while building his power. And once he recites the oath, he unleashes his big power and sends it straight at the Lightbringer, which blows it up and creates something called a Godstorm, the end of everything. And boy, does it look pretty. And on Oa, Joe decides to interrogate one of the prisoners from Xerox, the magical planet, and she refuses to give up much information and instead uses what little magic she has left to mess with Joe's mind, making her see a different world. And in that world, the magical woman monologues about the guardian Koyos and his visit to Xerox, his role in everything, and what he wanted to do with them. 
the arrow used to kill him was the plan, and that plan was that the arrow changed him somehow. That was apparent when the battery exploded after his body was placed inside. Joe ends up in a dark area with a lone voice speaking to her. That voice happens to be Koyo, or Koyos. And in the medic station, Kelly is comatose, but for seemingly no reason, according to the doctor. Simon's standing over her, but there's a big explosion. Simon runs out to find Joe with her ring empty, no charge at all. And above them all is Koyos, now gigantic and menacing. Here we go, big guardian. As in, I, yeah, <laughs> it's different from Krona, so I'll give it that. Is it though? Is like, it really? Krona was never giant. That's so... like that's splitting hairs. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm trying my best. It really is. I, I, what I'm wondering now, though, is is how connected are these two stories? I, I, I took a look at future solicita- future solicitations, and there are hints at it. But, like, how how connected can they really be? I really doubt Koyos is working with Isak for the Lightbringer, unless that's what's happening. But I just... There's not enough info on the Lightbringer to really give a shit still. And there's too much information on Koyos to give a shit still. So... Every, every time you say you're going to do something new with the Lanterns, it feels like the point that you always arrive at is the guardians are evil and they need to be killed and they get corrupt after a certain point it's like okay we get it try something new like you've seen that before i know what Mm -hmm. they can do yeah i know something new they can do so the green the green lanterns are police force right and and clearly we've been talking about how there's corruption in this police force let's get jim motherfucking gordon out there and set them straight Jim and Gordon running the Green Lanterns. Guardians step out of line now. I, I mean, I would love, weeks. I would love to see an Elseworlds story that was like that. <laughs> was like, honestly, that's not a bad idea. Actually, Jim Gordon, oh, Green Lantern. Of, that's of, a bad idea. I'm, no, <laughs> that's no, a very bad idea. No, honestly, I'm, I'm like, because I, I feel like there's kind of a clever way you could do something with it. Where like, I think what we need in Green Lantern, it doesn't need a big story. You can yeah. have a big story once in a while, but we don't need a big story every month. We don't need every yeah, story arc. Yeah. I wouldn't mind a Blackest Night, but it doesn't need to be bookended by Blackest Nights, you know? Yeah. It, it can be bookended with just... It doesn't just... need to be an endless series of Blackest Nights, War yeah. of the Lanterns, and, you know, Rise of the First... Like, just give us... Yeah. We give got us something that over ten now years, now. and it was paced perfectly. Yes. In between it was like... all the big stories, you got miniature stories of them just, like, doing cop things oh there goes Kanjaro. okay let's like pull him over and give him a ticket like shit like that is what i think we need in green lanterns of them just going back to basics let's be space cops for a while and just like stop crying and just be simple for a while until the next big menace shows up and like at this point we've even gone to okay the a giant being that hates the emotional spectrum from the universe before ours from the third gods uh, <laughs> era is just like we've been through so much with the Green Lanterns like, how much can you really do it's time to just cool it down a bit and let's not make it such a big story because you're just going to repeat yourself that would be nice but it's not going to happen <laughs> everything needs to be a big event oh, um, no, no uh, this one got a 7 for me yeah I, 
I gave it an eight just because I I, I love Joe and Simon so much. Let's move on to our next book this week, and that is the Superman Son of Kal El, twenty twenty one annual. Uh, after that, we will take a brief commercial break. Tom Taylor with art from Steve Henry and Romulo Viardo and Steve Ugelato with lettering by Dave Sharp, all wrapped up in a funny cover by John Henson. So the book starts out with a flashback of a time when Luther was in jail for trying to use Metallo to kill Superman.
Yeah, I definitely agree with you there about the annuals. It it just feels better when it makes sense. Like more often than not, you're getting in the middle of a story arc, and then an annual comes out, and it just it kind of yeah what yeah what are we doing here yeah. Now this this was a really fun read. I'm really looking forward to more Luthor in this book, specifically this book. Uh, so he he's I think he's more interesting when he's a businessman and not a maniacal villain leader, like him <laughs> leading the uh, what are the hell are they called Legion of Doom? Yeah, I wanted to call them the Justice Justice League, but no. Uh, Legion of Doom just it's it's a take on the character sure it's an interesting take but it's it just doesn't feel right anymore at the the day and age we're in just yeah it feels so much better him in his ivory tower untouchable to a degree but yeah john's gonna give him quite the challenge i think it's it's going to be a very we already know this is a very different superman and this is going to be a very different relationship with lex Luthor. yeah i'm excited for that it's an 8.75 for me i think the art was really good it is a fun story i i just I was just thinking when you mentioned the rising and I was thinking about what the hell the rising could be and I just thought that there was one other time in Superman's history where there was a rising that I could think of and it also happened when a Superman died when Clark was gone and it was rise of the Superman yeah and like Harry Bendix is just pumping super powered people out like they're freaking biscuits so chocolate on uh, chocolate gravy no that that sounds like a heart attack <laughs> it'll go down and so will you <laughs> I was yeah eight eight point seven five for me I I I don't know if this is if I'm right we we tend to be psychic on this show um I don't know how I feel about it yet, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I uh, I did not really get a chance to finish this one, so I didn't really get to form any kind of opinion on it. Um, but I hear your passionate reviews, so I'm hoping to uh, to check it out at this point. It's just I. The, the annual was just a little bit longer than I had time for, so I really just, I was trying to squeeze in that versus the honorable mentions, and I was just like, I'll just get the honorable mentions and, you know, try and finish the annual um, sometime next week, hopefully. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it sounds really cool. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it's a, a solid story. Though I do have to wonder, I mean, again, I don't, maybe they explain it, but I don't know, um, but... It's weird to me that Lex can just kind of slip comfortably back into his, you know, his businessman role um, with with no scars. Because I mean, again, I, I I swear I saw it mentioned somewhere, but it was just like in the span of a couple years, DC timeline anyway. 
Lex has gone basically from being president to then being forced out of the presidency to leading a like secret underground group. I think he was like leading Secret Six or something to you know then doing all this stuff in Metropolis after that to joining the Justice League and then you know not being on the Justice League anymore and the Legion of Doom and then being the Apex Predator. It's just like you've been through all this shit. How do you explain that? Like, oh yeah, I was president once and then I was possessed by an alien space goddess who told me she was going to remake the universe into Apex Predators. But yeah, no. Let's let's start up LexCorp again. No problem. Like you must have the best lawyers on the planet to be able to just like walk your way out of that one every time consistently. Like every time you fuck up, it's like, nope, we're good. LexCorp can come back unscathed and I can just slip comfortably back into my role even if I, you know, failed on a cosmic scale. I, that's just hilarious. That's just hilarious to me. Well, at the very least, the stock should plummet every time it commits a crime. <laughs> you would think so, right? But I guess, <laughs> according to according to Justice League Incarnate, LexCoin is going to go through the roof, so <laughs> cle- <laughs> clearly it's not a problem. Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if, if Elon Musk got in possession of an alien space goddess and then tried to remake the world, and then the universe was rebooted, and everything just kind of went back to normal. Everyone would just be like, "Yeah, no, whatever. You can you can go back and run Tesla. Who cares?" I I I feel like that could conceivably happen, but um, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking too fantastically. Then everyone's just like, "Yeah, no, we'll we'll still buy uh we'll still buy Dogecoin. Who cares? What does it matter, right?" Um, yeah, no, I, that's just funny to me that, that you can do all that stuff and just kind of come back just clean. Um, I mean, yeah. your, your your analogy with uh, <laughs> what's his name from Tesla, Elon oh, Musk. Oh, Elon Musk. Yeah. It, it was it was interesting. It, it it it's a good choice, but uh, Jeff Bezos is a clear <laughs> choice for Alexa. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, he he was the one who went to like what was it, like the moon or something or wherever the hell he was going, where he just he just yeah, up and left, and everyone's like, all right, whatever, yeah, do what you want. <laughs> Uh, two minutes in space for like ten million dollars. Jeez, yeah. 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 Could have been, uh, it could have been, but no, I I had to get my ass to space first. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, we will take a brief commercial break. After these messages, we'll be right back. Now back to our program. And we're back. Thank you for sticking with Not a Robot. Next up, we'll be taking a look at The Swamp Thing, number 10, uh, what should have been the ending of the series, but according to the cover, is not, because by popular demand, it has been extended another six issues. So if you have been collecting this issue by issue like I have, it looks so fucking weird put together, because it's literally just like one through nine of 10, and then the final issue is just 10 of 16, and there's like no continuity and I mean, I, I I'm glad they didn't do a new number one, but it just it's like when you put it all together, it looks so weird. Um, but yes, yeah, this is the the not penultimate, but what was supposed to be penultimate, but still feels kind of climactic in a way, or at least I thought so. Chapter of the Swamp Thing from, of course, the usual incredible, fantastic, wonderful. How many adjectives can I use? Uh, Ram V on writing, Mike Perkins on art, 
uh, Mike Spicer on colors and Aditya Bidikar on letters, the Dream Team, all working together to create an incredible Swamp Thing story that I feel just had a really great and solid conclusion, but uh, will still be continuing uh, in March. But what is that conclusion, you might ask? Well, uh, to start us off, as we had uh, left off um, Mr. Pilgrim, the, I guess, CEO of Prescott Industries, had uh, sort of gotten the fuck out of his compound after Levi's brother showed up, and uh, the two of them started to really just wreak havoc on the base, and seemingly had one last contingency plan in place that he would activate in case, um, you know, things ever got too dicey. And that was to activate some kind of uh, what I think he calls a bio-agent of nitrogen that would essentially freeze Swamp Thing and not allow him to access the green anymore. And um, really the, the issue kind of focuses on sort of the battle in between, um, you know, Levi and his brother Jacob and um, really bringing that stuff to bear, but... Um, this, I think, issue brings a lot of closure on that relationship in that um, even though Pilgrim is able to activate the bioagent and seemingly freeze Levi where he stands and, and you know, seemingly murder him, um, we find out that Levi's connection to the green runs a little bit deeper than that and that even though he's so close to just, you know, giving up, yeah, thankfully, even though he's so close to just giving up and laying down and accepting, you know, this, this defeat... Um, his connection to the green allows him to persist ever further, to dig deep into his roots, no pun intended, and, uh, and try and find, um, to dig deep into his roots to find the plant known as the dragon, dragon arum, which will allow him to preserve heat even in cold, uh, but more importantly, to preserve a life within that heat, within that cold, um, and that life is none other than Jacob, who... Uh, was seemingly shielded from the blast and is uh, allowed to live uh, while Levi is, you know, really still suffering, but but is able to kind of resurrect himself and put himself back together. Um, as we tie up the issue, there are a couple more revelations related to Pilgrim, uh, in particular that Pilgrim has brought in a specialist, a specialist that is none other than a very human-looking Dr. Jason Woodrew, who is investigating the remains of something we'd seen a little bit earlier, something that you might remember from the first two issues of the Swamp Thing, and that is the sort of corpse that was left in the remains of the Banyan tree, the corpse of, uh, I'm blanking on the name now, but it was sort of that first villain that Levi had fought that had a kind of a connection to the desert, um, sort of an avatar of the desert, if you will. Go back and read the first two issues, you'll remember it. It's It was cool, but I'm bad with names sometimes. Um, but anyway, um, investigating the remains of the sort of avatar of the desert that Levi had fought and, 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 um, buried in the Banyan tree. Um, and the fact that through this connection, through this connection that the corpse has to the desert, they may be able to harness it for whatever purposes they have in fact. Uh, Pilgrim is a little bit, um, solemn about it, given the fact that he'd hoped to have two, you know, avatars that he could sort of harness the power of, but now only has one, um, or sorry, Woodrow, uh, feels bad that, you know, maybe he could have had one, um, <clears throat> and, uh, um, Woodrow kind of says, you know, this kind of connection to the green and, and that kind of idea is something that you can't really kill off, and, you know, it'll find its way back in the end, um, and this would have been kind of a, 
a little bit of a, a weird ending where, you know, Levi is still able to save a life, but it still feels like there's so much story left. But now that we know that there are, you know, six more issues, it, it just really kind of gets me excited for how they're going to bring, you know, all of this together in an even bigger conclusion. So I, I'm just really excited to see what they're going to do next. And, and the fact that this is not just an ending to the story, but a progression of the story, um, you know, resolving some of the stuff with him and Jacob and, and really kind of bringing to bear Levi's transformation as the Swamp Thing. It just, it sets up a lot of really interesting stuff. And um, I, I just, I can't wait to get my hands on that next issue. It's, it's, it's going to be great. And I'm, I'm so glad that they're keeping this art team and this writing team just moving this story forward and, and doing some really interesting stuff with Swamp Thing. So um, this one was definitely my favorite issue of this week. Spoilers, um, but I gave this one a 9 out of 10. I absolutely loved it. I'm having trouble just understanding the timeline of all this. The, the story so far is fantastic, and obviously it's a great, great issue, but to go into this thinking this is the last issue, and then I'm still unsure if the next six issues, is it still part of what's considered technically season one, or is this the fable season two Romvi was hinting at, or and I don't know where it's going, and this isn't much of a conclusion the way this ends now. As exciting as it is, it really doesn't feel like a conclusion. So I want to say that the next six issues are still part of this ongoing story, and then season two is something else entirely. And I'm all for that. Yeah, and I, I, honestly would not I feel be like that might be the case. And we're like, okay, 16 of 20, and it's going to keep going, and it's going to be an ongoing <laughs> book hidden behind the, the, the gaze uh. of a miniseries. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're gonna once we once we get to sixteen, I feel like it's 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 gonna be exactly that. It's gonna be sixteen of twenty five, and then it's once we better. get to twenty five, it'll yeah. just be now it's an ongoing, or or maybe it'll be you know twenty five of thirty six, and they'll just keep teasing us with you know limited time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like once you get to like a twenty five issue limited series with about 50 quotation marks around the word limited series it's really not like 25 issues is a standard run it's it's not even a limited series at that point treat it like rick and morty get it to issue 26 and they're 26 of 100 yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> there you go there you yeah yeah i just felt honestly this this story was very very interesting um floronic man being there is just weird as a human I did not think he had that ability in him uh, yeah it's all coming together it's all all tying into the, the past and that first couple of issues that story in the desert we're going to have uh, a leeway into that and it's going to make sense it's all going to tie together and it's, it's going to be awesome that mm. Levi's coming into his own as Swamp Thing and I think it's a good thing and yeah. I can't wait to see what happened to Alec Holland, but I am more than happy to have Levi Kamei be Swamp Thing for the foreseeable future. Let Alec Holland either rest in peace or live his life somewhere in a swamp, and <laughs> Levi can be the Swamp Thing. He, I think he's a really good avatar. Well, he, Alec doesn't get to rest in peace because he's going to be busy with the green hell. Well, I think that's like a future or something, so... Um, yeah, it's still and, Alec Holland, though, isn't and, it? And and probably, I'm guessing, probably out of continuity, just because it's a black label book. So for now, Alec Holland can have his his you know kind of peace. For now, it's cool to bring in old Woodrue with with the 
multiverse being reset, who knows where he's, uh, what his abilities are or what his primary form is or whatever. I imagine he's being brought in to extend the series. Even with the extension, I already miss it. <laughs> this this looks good, and uh, I can't wait to see what happens in the next issue. I loved it. 8.5 out of 10. Sweet. All right, do we want to move on to the next one? Uh, we should probably do that. It's the only way we're going to get finished. <laughs> yeah. All right, next up we have Suicide Squad number 10. Rob, tell us all about that one. All right, this is from Robbie Thompson, writing with art from Eduardo Pensica and Julio Ferreira and Dexter Soy. And it's colors by Marcelo Maiolo and Alan Pasalacqua. And letters by Wes Abbott. The squad are still in space trying to get back home, and before getting a plan together, they are attacked by a Thanagarian brigade and then captured by Joe Moline, the Green Lantern, seeing as she's pretty much the only one left. Uh, now in science cells and split up in pairs, Match and Nocturna finally act on their feelings. Black Siren is <laughs> And Culebra dies in front of Talon, as she is wont to do apparently many times. This is what the team needs, though, as she can then float around in spirit form and looking for a way out, and another member of the team apparently in Black Hand, which was a bit of a twist. Uh, yeah, Nora, you can say that. What a twist! Yeah, what a twist! Twist! Oh, Robot Chicken! You I love know. Robot Chicken. Oh my god! <laughs> oh man. I love that that's not even an actual M. Night Shyamalan thing, but that's what everyone remembers him for. Beast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, Yorick is with Ambush Bug, and uh, while well, Ambush Bug is telling us about his favorite Suicide Squad run yeah. from Ostrander. Hey, that's that's a pretty damn good one. Yeah, He's like really good the yeah. creator yeah. of the modern Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the movie much was love. pretty much based on you know that that initial run brought in yeah. a lot mm-hmm. of the characters. Exactly. Uh, he he didn't read the script of this issue, but he was busy reading Ostrander's run. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while Yorick, uh, he, so he's, he's talking about Ostrander while Yorick makes moves to fix the ship that they arrived in. The group now head back. Oh, actually, I completely missed the sentence. Uh, the ship then breaks down a wall, and they all escape, regroup, and they now head back to Earth, where Waller is preparing for a big fight with Rick Flag's squad. I, I just call him Rick Flag's squad. I don't know if he actually gave him a name. I feel like he did, but I don't remember. Yeah, I feel like that's the best name for it, the Rick's Rick, Rick Flag, Flag squad. squad. Well, yeah. I mean, anti-suicide. Anti-suicide squad just sounds dumb. And hotline <laughs> prevention squad just doesn't quite roll off the tongue. Yeah, it might be a little <laughs> might be a little odd to call it that, yeah. but you know, we can workshop it. A little living squad. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I laughed out loud when he did that Ostrander run <laughs> joke. That yeah. that shit made me laugh my ass oh, off. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, ambush buggy he's really just the heart of this now. Of this whole book, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I hope Me he too. never, he never leaves. He can't get killed off. He'll just get drawn in again. Yeah, he'll he'll be uh, and and <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Black Hand is a very interesting choice 
uh, especially since he doesn't have any of his tools. He doesn't have the black ring anymore. He doesn't have that weird little lightsaber thing that he used to steal Green Lantern energy. So what what can he do now apart from maybe he has the death touch still, but that's that's just well maybe, but I mean he, he Waller's there. She can make shit happen. Yeah, that's true. Who knows what she can get for him? Yeah. Oh. Okay, brainstorm time. So <laughs> Batman during Death Metal got his hand on a black ring. That he did. Uh-huh. Now, for all we know, what happened to that black ring after it just kind of disappeared. We all know Batman's very much a planner, so chances are he would take that ring on the off chance that maybe one day he would need to use it for something. Mm-hmm. Like he needed mm-hmm. to use it to save the universe once. Maybe he'd need to do it again. So obviously he would keep that in his possession. Well, as we all know, uh, all of Batman's possessions got auctioned off. So he doesn't That's have true. really all of those anymore. All of his tech got auctioned off. All of his his tools, and apart from like a few strays he has, and it's safe to assume maybe that black ring got lost in transition, and maybe Waller got her hands on it. He accidentally left it laying around in a toolbox. And... Interesting. See, I I guess. Where else would you put a power ring? Yeah, I I had thought <laughs> that the the black lantern ring was the one that Roy had had in Infinite Frontier, but you're saying Batman has. A, like kept like another Black Lantern ring and, and seemingly kept there that for a rainy day. Thousands of them. Yeah, the yeah. Had interesting. Turn into the Omega ring. Mm. Yeah, the the one Batman had in Death Metal, I think he specifically called Necron's ring. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> would make me think that's the one that that Black Hand started out with. Hmm. I think he was the first one to get. I think Necron was the one that gave him the ring to start the whole Black at Night. Yeah. So I don't know. It's been a long time though. My memory sucks. I could be totally wrong, but I could have <laughs> swore that he said in Death Metal that it was Necron's ring. And if I'm right, Necron is like Rob said, the one who gave it to Black Hand. To start oh, I. The shit. I wouldn't even remember. I death metal kind of oozed out of my memory the, the second I read the final issue. <laughs> like, I, thankfully. I just, remember, I just remember the art. Yeah. The art uh, there was a lot of good phenomenal. art that happened there. I loved every issue that Zermanico drew, man. All of them. They, it was awesome. And Capullo. I mean, you just yeah. Greg Capullo is just amazing. To this date and probably forever, he has drawn my favorite Wonder Woman. Oh, Capullo. Interesting. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Now for me, it'll, it's definitely J.G. Jones. J.G. Jones is like oh God. Oh, just number the, two. The, that, the that was absolute... number one prior to oh, yeah. to no. Greg Capullo doing. Death. You know, he did um, Wonder Woman Hikatea with Greg Rucka. One of my favorite, probably my favorite Wonder Woman story of all time. And I was just like, nothing, no art team, I think, ever can top this. Like, this is the best-looking Wonder Woman I've ever seen. Um, that That's my personal favorite. I just, I love, I love that look so much. Awesome. Uh, I, was, I was following Capullo, because he was giving updates on the art during uh, Death Metal, I want to say Final Crisis. <laughs> there was that one splash page in, like, issue six, where he, he had, like, Dozens of characters in one splash page, and it showed him just zooming. Like he, he said he'd spend like 18 hours on it. Oh my god, like I can believe it though. So many characters in it. Yeah, I, mean, I can believe it. See it. Like, holy shit. 
Oh yeah, no, and uh, and shout out to We Have Demons because yeah, right? Lord knows I haven't I haven't talked about this the comicsology books enough. I've never mentioned them ever. Um, but yeah, no, so shout good, out to We though, have, man. I know shout out shout out to We Have Demons where you can see more of Greg Capullo's fantastic artwork. Indeed. Anyway, I gave Suicide Squad a seven out of ten. Yeah, that's an eight for me. This one it's also got. From... It's coming back from wacky a little bit. I liked it. Yeah, no, this this one got an eight for me. It's just it's been like a really kind of fun, solid series. Oh, it's been up and down for me, but that's the order of the world. Yep. And speaking of the order of the world, the last review for this week is Arkham City: The Order of the World, number three. Excellent segue, Josh. So I will let you take the review for that one. Uh-huh. All right. Thank you so much. All right, so inside a goddamn beautiful cover, we've got a book written by Dan Waters, Danny as the artist, colors by Dave Stewart, and Aditya Bidikar on the lettering. This book is a trip. It starts out with Detective Stone in the hospital commenting on the current state of affairs and us finding out that the Ten-Eyed Man... can, Can I just call him Ten... Yes, that's I'm calling mm-hmm. them Ten. That's too long. We find out that Ten has indeed drawn a map of Markham Asylum, Arkham Asylum, and the map makes sense when it's laid over top of Gotham City. Double X was located exactly where his cell would be in the asylum. We find out that Dr. Joy has at least begun to subscribe to Ten's theories, prophecies, whatever you want to call them. Ten decides to peace out, and the good doctor follows as one would do when looking for an adventure. And turns out Ten is looking for Solomon Grundy, who is also exactly where his cell said he would be. And the weirdest thing here is that even though Grundy can only speak his rhyme, born on a Monday, that's and, and that's all he does speak, Ten can not only understand him, but communicate with him and calls him the wise one. There is a brief pop-up of Azrael comparing himself to the story of Abram for the Bible, and then it's back to the good stuff. Ten and Dr. Joy follow Grundy to where this thing that will contain the whatever to stop the ghost from stealing his eyes and taking everyone away. Dr. Joy has to sign up to go find the object so that Ten and Grundy won't go out in public. She finds, with the other two right beside her, a skull. It's a Medius Arkham skull, and Ten wants to put the evil back in there. That's when Azrael shows up. He immediately lops off Grundy's head while spewing his typical weird-ass banter. I, I don't even—I don't think you could call it banter. More like Bible dick. No, wait, hold on, that's not right. More like <laughs> super religious Nightwing. Yeah, anyway. he's, uh, he's, he's really, really just leaning into the, like... You know, defiler, I am the hand of God, you know, that type of thing. Yes. Anyway, Ten takes out Azrael pretty easily, and he points out to Dr. Joy a Medius Arkham's ghost, and she can see him glowing green way up on a building next to that. That's how it ends. And, guys, this is a hell of a story. It starts out interesting. Now it reads... It reads like a supernatural mystery. 
And I love the hell out of it. And paired with Danny's awesome art, this is one bookie. I bookie. Bookie. <laughs> this oh, is one book I am happy blood? to be covering. <laughs> well, 100%. I will bet on Nine the fact that uh, this book is is pretty great, and most people will enjoy it. Um, uh, but yes, I, I agree. I, I as we were as I was choosing, you know, who would review what this week, I really had to struggle. Um, to not give myself this one because I really want to do because um, I just this book is is so cool and so amazing and such a fascinating look at just the madness that is Gotham. Um, uh-huh. But eventually, I was like, you know what? I'll stop being selfish and I'll give it to someone else because I can't just talk <laughs> about it all. Um, oh man! In issue one, I was like, eh. Two, I was like, oh. Yeah, no, I, now I was three, the same I'm way. Like, Hell yeah, what's when's number four come out? <laughs> I was the same way. Though. The first <laughs> one was was solid, but a little hard to get into. But the second one was just like, all right, we're here. I I'm here. Like I'm. Let's fucking go. Um, and three, this. I think, was just just really continuing that and and just it's just a fascinating read with with each issue. So um, yep. yeah, I, I can't wait for it. I give this one an eight point five. I just dug the crap out of it. Yeah, I had to. I'm too. I I was. I have on my paper here. I I couldn't decide eight point seven five or a nine. <laughs> and the more I read back through it, flip back through. Excuse me. It's 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 definitely got the nine. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm complete opposite of you guys. Where like, oh, not no. that I didn't enjoy it. Like I enjoyed it, but like the story oh. progression. I I thought issue one for me was the strongest. Do you hear that? Oh my god! I just fell out of my chair. <laughs> no, it's okay. You gonna make it, man? You gonna be? Oh right? no! Oh my head, it hurts. No, I'm good. So, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I think issue one. I, I loved issue one. It got me really hooked. But as the issues go on, I'm enjoying it less and less than I was the first issue. But I'm still enjoying it. I still think it's a really good story. It's a really weird story. But the the supernatural elements that they're including are, I think, are very interesting, uh, and it's getting me hooked. I'm very curious to see where this will go, but I think I'm more just interested in the end at this point. Mm. I'm wondering how a ten-eyed piece of silly putty whoops the snot out of Azrael, and then I want to see a video of it. <laughs> well, you know, Az- Azrael's not really in his right mind right now. He's, uh, he's yeah, that motherfucker you know, ain't a, got a right mind. His, yeah, his mind is all left. Well, you know, he was he was a little bit more mellowed out in, in Detective Comics when he was hanging with Luke Fox and Batwoman, and then you know I didn't read Justice League Odyssey, so I don't know what the fuck happened between then and the point where we're at now, where he's like lost it. Um, well, he was up there. Dark Side kind of zapped him out of existence for a little bit. He turned into a slave, then was broken free by two Jessica Cruises okay. at the same time. Uh, so <laughs> I think this was why I didn't read Justice League Odyssey. Um, yeah, at a certain point, you just got to turn to God again. <laughs> I yeah, so. yeah I, th- I think because I, I was just like, wow, what the hell happened? Like when we left, <laughs> I know it's like when when he left, you know, the Gotham Knights, he was, you know, like very cool, like him and Luke Fox and, and um Kate Kane had like this great relationship, and I was like, oh, cool, you know, good for John Paul. He's come a long way from being the crazy homicidal Batman. Um, and then, and then I, you know, we read Urban Legends, and I'm just like, whoa, what the shit happened to this guy? I thought you were like cool. Now you've like Space turned to happened. God, and I know it's like now you've like turned to God in like a 
a weird way, like a zealous <laughs> way. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Hardcore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, this, this, at least for me, this, this book is, is pretty cool. And, um, uh, sorry you didn't like it, Rob. That's, uh, no, I, it's perfectly I, I, valid. I liked it. I did like it. I just, my, my opposite with you is like where you guys felt it's getting stronger as it goes. I'm thinking it's getting weaker as it goes. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's okay. All right. I think that's it for the books. That is it for the books. So why don't we make our way rather quickly, because uh, we're in two hours, uh, through our top three books for the week and a favorite moment if you have one. Uh, so, Josh, I will let you start us off. All right. The, this came fairly easy for me. The third one is Dark Knights of Steel. Hell of a story. Incredible art. Number two is Arkham City. Again, I mean, incredible art and a very mysterious story. I'm I'm getting pulled in like I would in a story that I wish I was reading in Detective Comics. And then number one is Superman. They made an awesome issue. They made an annual. Uh, and they made an annual an awesome issue, and not just some weird one-off story that didn't fit in. It was fantastic. And then, um, I don't know, uh, Brandon, I know you're not on Twitter. Rob, I know you are somewhat. I don't know if you guys follow Tom Taylor and Gail Simone or not, but there's a joke between Tom Taylor and Gail Simone (laughs) about how she's a bear. I I did not know this. Yeah. Twitter rants are hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. So there's a little panel in here uh, where John says he saved the polar bear and that he named it Gale and that Clark says that's a fine name for a bear and that just made me laugh out loud because that's, those are the exact same words that Tom Taylor used on Twitter was that of course, Gale is I'm a fine surprised. name for a bear I, I love that panel so much I wish I could have it autographed <laughs> yeah no well I, I remember when I was on Twitter I, I, I was following Gail Simone and it was it was usually just like every time I would check my feed it would be like some kind of crazy comment um oh yeah and, and she was like like round, from what i remember she was like round the clock too like if i would check it at like 2 a.m there would be a post yep. or something so yeah um, i don't she doesn't sleep <laughs> um nice nice um uh rob how about you what are your top three books for for this week and a uh, favorite moment if you have one okay so my number three i don't know if it was one star squadron I, I did not have any high hopes going into this book. I, I thought it was going to flop hard, but I, I enjoyed myself way more than I thought. Me too. Yeah. Uh, number two, I had Son of Kal-El Annual. It was just a fun little romp with John and Luther. Uh, and I, the hints of the future and just very fun to see John with at least mm-hmm. somewhat of a boyish attitude. And uh, number one, Dark Knight of Steel. I think I said before, uh, it's, it's my Lord of the Rings. It's just fantastic. <laughs> No need for LOTR. We got DK Your LOTR. Lord of the Rings should be Lord of the Rings, but again, we'll not we'll not get into that here. <laughs> One day we will. Uh, we can do that for our seventy <laughs> fifth episode. We'll just lay it all out on the table, like all our controversial opinions, <laughs> and we'll just okay. we'll just Lord fight. Of the Rings, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you like it, you son of a bitch? Not a robot hot takes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and uh, my favorite moment, I had two. One from one we've covered, and one that one we haven't. Uh, from one we covered, John giving the theoretical finger to Lex Luthor, I thought was just awesome. Um, 
Him just calling us knights of horses is just a big slap in the face. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not what I meant. <laughs> and uh, Batman 89. I haven't read through it fully yet, but there's one panel where we, we finally get to see Robin in full costume uh, doing his thing on the rooftops. And there's an homage to Jim Lee's famous cover from Batman Superman him doing the exact same pose as Batman, pretty much on the exact same gargoyle, and it was a nice little moment. Oh yeah, cool. I can't wait to read that. This hero. Yeah, it's. I hope I'm not spoiling it for you, but <laughs> it's it's a hell of a read. I'm yeah. Um, How about you, Brandon? Yeah, no. So my top three for this week uh, at number three, I was the same as you, Rob. I had one Star Squadron number one. You know, I, I, I knew Mark Russell, I knew Steve Lieber, but. Um, and obviously, I expected them to be, you know, a fairly, fairly talented duo. But, um, you know, I, I was kind of going in with, like, whatever expectations. Like, I really wasn't expecting it to be anything great. I figured, you know, we just read it, knock it off, and then probably never think about it again. But it was just, it was so spectacularly funny that I just, I, I loved it. Um, uh, but at number two, I had uh, Arkham City, The Order of the World. Again, just another stellar issue from this team. Uh, but at number one... Should be no surprise, I had The Swamp Thing, number 10. Just love this series so far, and I'm so excited that it's you know officially been extended and, and uh, seems like it has a bright future ahead of it, and I just can't wait to see what else they do. Uh, my favorite moment, I had two, which I know is not fair, but mm-hmm. I just I, I could not decide between the two. Um, one, I believe we've already mentioned, and that is the shot of Batman under the arch, and we kind of get a, oh, yeah. you know, a little That's shot so of the... Sick. Yeah, the Batman Incorporated, and it's like, you know, Detective um, Kaya is like, holy, like, what the hell? It's just, it is so excellent. Um, But my second one, and I just, I read it, and it it just made me laugh so hard, um, was sort of in the the opening to One Star Squadron, where they're kind of talking about the Heroes for You app, and the Black Condor um video appearance which was just like it felt just like so cheesy but so funny it was just excellent it was cheesy it was um, cheesy as hell. the whole thing like, was but I could, that's what I made could, it good i know i could totally see some superheroes going for like a cameo style thing and it was just it was so great um i, I really love that book honestly I, I if i haven't praised it enough definitely check it out um I would love to see Guy Gardner doing cameos. I would love, I would pay top dollar to have Guy Gardner do a cameo for me. Like, I know that's a total waste of money, but who cares? Sometimes you got to just do it. Right. Especially if it was Guy Gardner. I know. This is Guy Gardner coming at you for Warriors, you know, to my main man, Josh. Just want to let you know that. You've got the core standing behind, or like something like cheesy like that, yeah. Right. And great. then, and then I would set him off on on his typical famous guy gardener rage by yeah. saying, you know, I've always liked Kyle better than you. Oh shit! Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He wouldn't stand for that. You've always liked Kyle better than him. Oh yeah. No, your favorite lantern is Guy Gardner. He told you so. <laughs> uh, Well, while that was fun, uh, here is something that is not quite as fun and a little bit more stinky, and that is, of course, the biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Um, so, gentlemen, 
as usual, which title made your stink list for this week? I think I, I have a feeling I, I know some of what yours might be, but um, let's let's see what you have. I, I thought World of Krypton sucked. I mean, hands down. <laughs> I figured it was going to be that one. But let me finish. Without oh, oh. great art, it would have scored even less than a five, honestly. But that's a side book. And I have I take that into consideration. It I I side books can be fun, side books can be interesting, but side books are never as important as a uh, as a continuing series. So I think ongoing should be graded a bit more roughly. And though I've been digging it more and more, at least up until now, this one was just a bit much. And like I said before, not enough at the same time. Flavorless Jello. Green Lantern number nine. Would you say flavorless green Jello, perhaps? No, flavorless. If green Jello has a taste. Well, I mean, it still has to look green. It just it won't I mean, taste like anything. Yeah. There you go. I've okay. had flavorless Jello of all sorts of colors. <laughs> yeah. It's shitty Jello. Flavorless. You can have flavorless, flavorless Jello that is dyed green to make it look like it's like lime Jello, but in actuality, it's not because. No, you know, they didn't want to get it. it yeah, it's it's clear Jello in a green bowl. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> that is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's my stinker. What about you guys? I, I had World of Krypton. That's yeah. I, I, I said what I said about Krypton. Well, you know, I'm <laughs> the, I'm the one that blew it up. Oh wow! Wow! Damn. <laughs> Uh, no, my biggest thinker for this week was uh, the same as yours, Josh. It was Green Lantern number nine. It's just, it, I don't know. It, it is a book that exists. That's all I have to say, really. <laughs> it's out there. You can, you can read it, I think. I don't know, but it's, uh, I, don't know, I don't know how much I feel about it. Um, so, yeah, there it is. Um, with that in mind... Um, and and I think I know what some of your answers might be to this as well. Um, are there any books that uh, you think we might want to move to the dump list? For well, this week? we we tend to like move uh, extraneous ones first, but uh, I enjoyed the shit out of One Star Scott Squadron, so yeah. I want to keep that around as long as you guys are all right with that. So yeah, and... very very selfishly, I I, I want to keep One Star Squadron. I know it's not applicable, but I. I kind of want to same with dark knights of steel but i would totally understand if those are books that you feel we should move for other things oh no dark knights of steel is too good to get rid of right now i mean flat out uh i would be willing to give world of krypton another chance for an issue number two to see if it gets any better we can certainly try that out if you'd like give it its fair shake so to speak but uh I mean, other than World of Krypton, I don't even have a suggestion from this week. I would put Green Lantern on it, but I feel like we just kind of have to keep going. Um, we have we to have, keep going. We don't, we don't have a choice, which is unfortunate. But I think eventually we'll hit a point where we're just like, with Justice League, we're just like, we can't talk about this anymore. I hope we don't have to, but I'm kind of afraid that's where it's going. Um, I mean, all I can say on the matter is I, I can't wait for issue 12. What's what's issue twelve? It, it looks like the end of the story. Oh, oh are you serious? Uh, <laughs> oh, Christ! Thank you, my God. 
but that's oh. only because there hasn't been a solicitation for 13 yet but oh, 12 man. sounds like it's it's a big screw up i hope so there's <laughs> a new yeah. green lantern run coming isn't there a new core book coming is there i i don't know i i've heard there's like chatter about it but i don't know if that's true i hope so i'd love to have another core book it's been Me you know, too. a while it would seem like the right time with all this new shakeup going on. Mm. And then, you know, like a six-issue series about Jessica Cruz. Yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> Honestly, like I said, I would much rather read just an excellent character story for, you know, Jessica Cruz as a Yellow Lantern than this. So, yeah. Um... <laughs> Jessica Cruz is, she. she's an excellent character to carry a character-driven story. That's, I yes. just, excellent, excellent character. So, we need more of her. Yeah, I think, but, I think we uh, could do Where do you guys stuff. land on World of Krypton? Um, I think we should, when issue two comes out, we should all give it a read, and uh, based on how we're feeling, we can decide sort of behind the scenes, uh, whether or not we want to give that its time on the show or, you know, just, just kind of leave it. Because um, it, it sounds like it sounds like the majority in this case is not in favor of World of Krypton. It's totally understandable. So, um, you know, we can, we can really just decide when the next issue comes out. Check it out then. Yeah. And that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, as always, we will be here talking comics, and we hope you'll stop by. Remember to go to notarobotpodcast.com for all of our episodes and our other shows with all sorts of people. With that, there is only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot. Thank you.